It's Jamal Bright with AB Nation celebrating Black History Month, talking about the, the stories of Black individuals in the AV industry. With me today is my buddy Rob Raspberry from Drexel University. Welcome, sir. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. Uh, and if you don't know, Rob is a regular on another one of our programs called EdTech uh, with our buddy uh, Bill O'Donnell. You can check him out every month talking about AV in higher ed spaces. But this time we're talking about you, quite frankly. Uh, we're talking about you, Rob. And and first and foremost, Drexel is a, is a pretty significant college uh, there in Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, let, let's talk for a second about how you kind of got into AV Right. Um, and, and I always find that interesting with how people ended up in the AV industry because uh, there's not exactly a direct path. <laughs> um, but also, you know, kind of how you ended up at, at Drexel. So it, it is an interesting path. Um, I graduated from Syracuse University with a degree in communications. So my focus was television, radio and film production. And in my youthful days, I will say, you know, it was about uh, getting into film and getting into TV. And actually upon graduation, I worked a couple years as a network cameraman for a ABC affiliate in um, Albany, New York. And then um, it was a, a very interesting journey because actually I was hired as a camera person for a specific uh, program called um, uh, a world of difference, which was an anti-prejudice uh, public affairs campaign that lasted two years. So that was very interesting and got to meet a lot of uh, interesting people, including Harry Belafonte and a couple other individuals. And then uh, the contract ended and uh, I was uh, looking around for employment, didn't really uh, find any kind of successful stuff either on either coast really and was hired in, I guess I would say sort of the 80s into the interesting world of um, cable television. And initially it was local origination, but uh, during that time, a very interesting thing happened where um, ad insertion and local commercials became a big thing. So you would have a big game on or CNN and you'd have all these national commercials and all of a sudden, a local commercial for a restaurant or some local business would pop in. And that was a commercial production that I worked on. So I was a, a producer videographer for that, did that for a number of years. And that was actually in South Jersey uh, through the iteration of TKR and AT&T Cable. But what happened is towards in the 90s, um, Comcast uh, had come in and acquired a lot of the cable systems um in the area and it they had phased out basically my department because they basically uh already handled that kind of production so i ended up being a contractor for an interesting company called focus vision and what focus vision does is sort of market research but they were one of the first ones really to utilize video conferencing um uh as a means for market research so you would have the creative team in Los Angeles, you'd have the uh, a, a marketing team in say Chicago, and they would do an interview in Philadelphia. A lot of it was pharmaceuticals. Uh, one of the interesting stories that I have though, is um, even though pharmaceuticals were part of the big one, AV, I, I, actually the Jimmy Kimmel 
uh, people had done a market research interview with a bunch of people in Philadelphia when his ratings were actually going down when he first started out. And it was interesting to know that a, a year or so after that, and I can't take full responsibility for this, but um, do sure can. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. His ratings turned around. So, you know, when you suddenly see things change, there's usually people behind the scenes that are doing research to find out, okay, what did we like about Jimmy? What do we need to change? What don't we like? And anyway, you know, it went on a, a great run there. So, but, you know, I had gotten married and had gotten children. And so the financial um, responsibility was really becoming bigger and bigger. And uh, so I had looked around and um, it was, I, I had seen an ad at Drexel and they were looking for what is called a video conferencing consultant, which I was very good at video yeah. conferencing. So I went in and interviewed for it and I was hired. And uh, that was way back in the early 2000s. <laughs> And um, it's been an interesting journey since then because it was sort of at that time that the higher ed AV infrastructure was sort of looking for people who, at least at Drexel, had a, had a um, combination of audiovisual skills uh, at that time. Um, uh, also the video conference stuff, but also a little bit of uh, video production background, which I had. Yeah. And, uh, my uh, mentor was, at that time was John Morris, who was very forward thinking and had come up with a couple interesting uh, technologies and, and things that really helped the higher ed space. And, and Mike Sherman, who was also at that time one of the directors and um, started to build. When I was hired there, there was only one other person with me. And then things sort of changed. Uh, Drexel sort of dabbled in the West Coast and the Sacramento campus at the time and, and John had gone out there to handle that. And when he had left, they moved me into a different position, sort of a semi-management position. And um, at that time, we did a lot of um, distance um, uh, learning as far as in video conferencing from yeah. Sacramento, California to Philadelphia. And it became quite a big thing. So it was, uh, and, and that was really, I'm gonna say early on in the game early on in the industry, we were doing distance learning uh, with the polycoms. And when they started to come out with the 9000 series and the HD version, we were, you know, we jumped on that and had some interesting challenges there. Um, so, so really, I guess when you look at it, um, it was, I had this video production background and sort of evolved with the video conferencing and the contract work and then saw an opportunity in the higher ed space. And when I came in and took a look at what was going on, I said, you know, this looks like a pretty good place for me to be and where I can use my skills. And because I, I mean, face it, initially people, when you look back in the eighties and seventies and they look at AV, they say, oh, you're, you're pushing a cart with a VHS deck into a room and letting the you know, instructor look at it. It was not like that at all. Drexel was very forward thinking about a lot of the stuff that they were doing. The technology interested me. And so I got hooked and I've been here ever since going on my 15th year. Good night. That's awesome. Though. That's awesome. And it, it does, it, it sounds like, you know, kind of AV chose you because it, it was kind of that right combination of your skill set and what they were looking for. 
Uh, and you were right on the cusp of, you know, IT coming into the mix, mm -hmm. uh, especially when it comes to the, the, the video conferencing. Um, Cause you were, it, you know, you were already you know, familiar with the ISDN line version of, of, oh, yeah. of, of video conferencing. And, and that was kind of that time when we were going from ISDN over to the network based ones. So yeah, that, that is kind of interesting. Um, talk for a second about, um, you know, whether that was, you know, the video conferencing or research folks or, you know, uh, your time at Drexel or even before then, you know, one of the things that we've learned or that I've learned at least uh, through this process is everybody has different challenges and everybody has different hurdles mm -hmm. um, when it comes to the industry, when it comes to, to work in, in, in general. But being a, a black man, being a, a person of color in higher ed, being a person of color in broadcasting uh, has its own set of challenges. So what sort of hurdles did you face and, and, and how, did you, how did you overcome them? So uh, I, I think Tim, you're gonna find this interesting because I think I was sort of prepared for um, this early on in my life, right? My dad was a minister and um, I grew up in Syracuse, New York and um, which is predominantly white and uh, pretty much rural except for the university that was you know, Syracuse University there. And my mom had worked for Syracuse University. So while I was blessed with being introduced into the higher ed environment, which is more progressive than the average public, where I went to school, uh, I had certain challenges. And as a person of color, it was, somewhat difficult in certain situations you know the name calling was there um the being left out of certain things was there but my mother and father pretty much said you know be proud of who you are and your skills you know build upon that um and be strong keep pressing forward um and and never back down and a lot of that i took um to heart and as I got through the, the high school and, and the college situation, to be honest, Tim, you know, I never really let it um, get to me unless there was something that was a personal attack or something that was just overtly out there. And, and my philosophy has always been, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to do it the best that I can. Um, and, and I guess in a way, uh, I guess maybe I was maybe a little more fortunate than, than a lot of uh, other people in the AV industry. Um, I think maybe my tunnel vision may have helped me with that. And I had to work extra hard. There's no doubt about it. As a minority, you had to work extra hard to sort of prove yourself. But uh, so, you know, as example, um, and, you know, and this is not to say that anything is happening at Drexel. It wasn't but I worked extra hours to, to, to climb that ladder. And I worked extra hard and Drexel has always been um, uh, recognized that. And, and I've always appreciated that. Um, as far as, you know, stories that I've run into, um, you, know, it, you know, prior to being at Drexel, um, it really wasn't as much as I think other people have challenged because I'm proud of my heritage. Uh, I'm proud of where I grew up. I'm proud of how I grew up. I've always looked to 
you know, role models like Martin Luther King and, and, and just understood that this is who I am and this is what I need to be. And I, I shouldn't be ashamed or um, disheartened by it and understood that, you know, people will take bias to you because of the color of your skin, even because of your religion. And um, you just have to stand up and keep moving forward. And um, in that arena, it, it just worked out very well. And maybe in a way I was blessed to be in some of the right places at some of the right times. But, um, you know, I, I, I can't say that I've seen it overtly. And it, you know, you, you know, when other people have gotten other positions or you know you've, you know, applied for a job and you know you have, you know, better qualification than some of your peers that you've seen that have, you know, applied for it and then someone else gets the position, it sort of makes you raise your eyebrow. But, you know, you have to just really keep pushing forward and moving on um, and, and moving through it. And, and I've always in, encouraged that. And um, one of the best things that, that you know, it, it is uh, great to talk about is, you know, with, you know, Avixa, formerly Infocom, and their diversity group, and going to various uh, conventions and 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 networking with uh, fellow minorities has been has been amazing. How important is it to see people who look like you in the industry that you're in? And, and I, 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 w I want to say this again because you know. Um, I have a, a personal belief on this, and but again, and I've said this almost every single one of these interviews. I understand where I am. I understand who I am, right? So I have a unique. I don't have a. I have my own perception, but I want to hear your your answer, and then I want to get kind of um, kind of give you mine. But how important is it to see other other African Americans, other people of color in the industry? I think it's very important because when you you hope at least that things are on a semi-level playing field. And, and when you see another person, uh, another brother or sister, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It really is, is fantastic. There is, and I'm not gonna lie, there is uh, an added level of camaraderie, uh, a, a, a sort of a, a higher energy of feeling proud, you know, you, you can identify um, but, you know, uh, you do feel that. And, and I think it is important because, you know, in a diverse environment, that's what you want to see. You want to see people from different races, different creeds, different colors, all working together for, you know, doing the best that they can. But yeah, I feel especially proud. And I think it is important because, you know, we have amazing gifts and there are plenty of people who are more than qualified. Uh, have fantastic talents, um, you know, have, have overcome, you know, obstacles from, you know, facing uh, possible racism and, and favoritism. And so it, it is important because there's many incredibly talented people out there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and um, my, my take is that, that representation period and a sentence is important. Right? Very. Yes. Uh, and and having folks um, not just that that look like you know me, but look like you and look like Charmaine and 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 look like you know everybody you know Frank Patacala, you know th that having a, a diverse 
workforce uh, and including those folks in, you know, at the table in those decisions, uh, regardless of what that table's doing, whether that's the design or the programmers or their, you know, uh, end users, I think is important. So um, as we wrap up here, I want to ask a question and um, this came to us from our, our buddy Charmaine and, and when you're, you're, when you're faced with a challenge and, and specifically racism and, and, and whether that's overt or it's, it's, it's um, subversive uh, racism, there is a challenge there and you have a choice at that moment in time. Rob, you can choose to face it, right? And overcome it like you did, or you can choose not to. You can choose to go left uh, instead of straight. When you face some of those challenges, whether it was early on in life or, or throughout your career, why did you, did you choose to, to face them and, and overcome them as opposed to you going a different direction? So I guess we'll go back to, let, let's take a look at Martin Luther King as an example who preached you know, peace, uh, brotherhood, and ultimately laid his life down for uh, civil rights. And there are many others who believed so much in the cause for equality that they gave their lives. And to, that's the ultimate sacrifice. Um, and when you recognize that kind of um, uh, I'm just, conviction, I guess is the best word to say it, and it and you experience it, um, you know, early on, you get the I'm going. I'm trying to say what is the best way to say this. It it puts conviction in you. And to make you understand that there's always gonna be obstacles, there's always gonna be um, people who are gonna be biased against you and you just have to keep fighting and not let that drag you down. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I had health problems um, on, you know, and I'm gonna say on top of, uh, you know, being a minority and, um, you know, it just was in me just to be a fighter and to keep going and to understand that I have to be the best that I can be and be proud of who I am and my heritage and just keep pressing forward. So I've always sort of had a bit of a fighter attitude and a not give up attitude. And it just makes you want to overcome those obstacles even more. That'll be a good place to stop. Rob Raspberry from Drexel, sir. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or uh, connect with you at Drexel if they're so inclined? Uh, so basically, LinkedIn is really the best way under my name, Robert Raspberry. Um, you can hit me up. I'll give you my email, rer37 at drexel.edu if you have any questions or anything you want to reach out to me for. One of the most interesting email addresses I have in my address book, just for the record. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> Rob Raspberry from Drexel University. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find other interviews like this, as well as our two weekly programs. Uh, AV Week looks at the uh, at the the commercial side of the industry, uh, and uh, Resi Week looks at the residential side. And I also mentioned the one that uh, Rob is on on a monthly basis. EdTech looks at the higher ed space on a monthly basis. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv.